welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this evening's episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and we have Dr. David Hanscom in the studio with us. Welcome. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here and talking about a big topic for me called the unenforceable rules. Now, that's an intriguing title, unenforceable rules. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you mean there? Well, this is a concept that came into my mind about 10 years ago. And in the world of chronic pain, it turns out that anger is a big issue, keeping your body full of adrenaline, cortisol, and just stress chemicals. And what happens when you're full of anger and frustration, it changes your, body, it changes your body's chemistry, it doubles the nerve conduction, and you actually feel the pain more. So we found out that by decreasing the body's stress chemical response, in other words, decreasing anger, why we've had a dramatic increase both of quality of life but also actually physical pain. And usually the pain at some point just disappears, which is remarkable. So there's a book called Forgive for Good by Dr. Fred Luskin. A patient brought it into my practice maybe eight or ten years ago. And it was it's when that book came into my practice that people started to go to pain-free consistently. I mean, people had gone to pain-free earlier, and I had dealt with the anger issues in my first book. But Dr. Luskin's book is very concise. It's a, it's a nice read. But he also encapsulates forgiveness very, very clearly. And he's a professor, a psychology professor at Stanford, who did four major research projects. And basically, he looks at the effect of forgiveness on the body's physiology. How how did forgiveness affect your body's um, sense of well-being, but also on your physiology? And the research projects were quite intense. I won't go into those in detail right now. But he points out, for instance, if you have a story that you tell to other people where you're the victim of the story, he calls it a grievance story. So somebody's done you a wrong, and you tell your friends, and you tell your friends, and you tell your friends why you're in a victim mode, and your body's full of adrenaline. You're not necessarily enjoying your day while you're telling the story. And that one factor made a big difference for me is that I had some politics at work. I kept telling people over and over again about my troubles, including my poor wife. And she's the one who called me out and said, look, you have a grievance story. I go, yeah, you're right. So the definition of a grievance story, if you tell the same story three times and you're the basic subject or victim of this story, is a grievance story. So it's not worth your time. He calls it renting too much space in your mind. Anyway, the concept of forgiveness is not, there's not a religious context to it. It's really, I'll use the word selfish act. You're basically, you're basically saying this person who I don't like is taking up too much space in my mind. I'm going to let it go. And you can't do it intellectually. You have to, there's a bunch of tools he presents to actually let go. But you have to first become aware of anger. You also become aware of the effect it has on quality of life, that it is irrational. And then until you actually truly let it go, that your quality of life is compromised. So a situation makes you upset or a person makes you upset, now is it actually invaded your life, invaded your brain, so to speak. And what you're doing, you're just taking your life back. You actually can't take your life back until you let go of anger. So another concept he has is called the unenforceable rules, which has been maybe, besides the grievance story, maybe the most, one of the most important concepts for me personally. 
is called the unenforceable rules, where there's all sorts of behaviors that other people have that irritate you, whether somebody common or somebody's attitude or their nationalism or their politics, whatever it is, people do or have behaviors that irritate the heck out of you, especially spouses, especially kids. So you basically have your concept of reality. If somebody doesn't fit that concept of reality, then you start getting frustrated. And Dr. Luskin points out very clearly that it's fine to wish that this person would behave differently in a better manner. But when that would would like term becomes should, in other words, I would like this person to act differently, but in your mind, if that turns into a demand, this person should act like this, and by the way, I'm going to have something to say about this, then you've created friction and drama that makes no sense. So that word should is a big problem, and again, Dr. Luskin calls it the unenforceable rules, that when you get upset about something that you have no control over, you're wasting your time. So and so basically there's there's just like the grievance story, these unenforceable rules become they invade your mind and take up space there and actually exacerbate your negative feelings and your feelings of chronic pain. Well, yeah, because what it does is it changes your body chemistry and it keeps your stress chemicals elevated, which actually increases the conduction of the nerves. You actually feel the pain more. The problem is, is that, first of all, you, if you have no control of the situation and you say constantly upset about it, particularly things in the past, but even in the present, for instance, somebody cuts you off in traffic, I mean, you wish they wouldn't cut you off in traffic. It's fine. But if you demand that they not cut you off in traffic, in other words, if you get upset every time somebody cuts you off in traffic, it's a problem. So if you're driving on the road and you can't accept the fact that at least 10% of the time people around you are going to do things that aren't correct by your standards, then you shouldn't be on the road. So even around workplace, I mean, people make, quote, mistakes all the time. They don't reach your standards of cleanliness or, you know, punctuality or et cetera. So the problem with the unenforceable rules, unless you actually understand the problem, there's no end point. Again, these are situations that you have no control over. Dr. Burns, in his book called Feeling Good, which is basically book-based cognitive behavioral therapy, is the word should. And one of the cognitive distortions all of us have is is the word should. And, of course, that's where perfectionism, perfectionism comes into place, where I should be a better person, I should be smarter, I should be more productive, etc., but also you project that word onto other people. And so that should word is a deadly word. Again, there's no end point to that either. And Dr. Burns points out really succinctly that the delta or the difference between your concept of the way things should be versus reality is the degree of your unhappiness. So he puts that as one of the 10 cognitive distortions, and it's a big one. I think for me personally, it's one of the biggest ones. Because in medicine, for instance, we use the word should to drive ourselves, and we're never good enough. We keep pushing ourselves higher and higher and higher. But I give lectures on burnout all the time around the country, and the same energy that takes us up, up the hill with the word should takes us right down the other side. Because when you're, when you're constantly adrenalized, um, it just wears you out. And eventually, eventually people get sick. So the So you need to 
uh, as you say, you need to take a step, not react in reaction, or not act in reaction. Right. When you're feeling like you're being triggered either by one of these unenforceable rules or by a grievance story that you're telling over and over again. Right. You have to make a decision. In other words, if you want to stay upset, that's your choice. And that's the thing about the whole victim role. It's very powerful. People don't want to give it up. But it's also very, very common. There's also a book out called How Emotions Are Made by Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett. And she points out that for human beings, the concepts get put into our brain the same as a chair or desk or table or car. In other words, your brain interprets sensory input to say this is a desk, this is a chair, this is a car. But humans have a major problem is that concepts get embedded the same way. That's why politics, nationalism, religion, attitudes, belief systems become very, very real. People do horrendous things to each other based on the word, based on their concept of reality. But the problem is that reality is actually as concrete as physical objects. And that's why such concrete action is taken on idealism or, you know, obviously wars are fought over idealism, etc., and that's why propaganda is so successful, because you say the same thing over and over and over again, it starts getting embedded in your brain, and all of a sudden becomes your reality. So I think the first step as far as dealing with the unenforceable rules is understanding how the brain works, that each person, each individual has their own perspective of the world that feels like it is correct. And obviously, no two people have the same process. So the key to getting along with each other in life in general is understanding each perspective is set in stone, is concrete, it's actually not going to change. Now, you can modify it, but you're not going to change it. That's why it's so fruitless to, to talk about religion or politics, because you're not going to change the other person's mind. It's just the way it is. So the key is negotiate boundaries and, 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 and whatever. So if somebody's doing something that's unacceptable to you, you have a choice to be with that person and say this is the way that person is, or not be around that person. So you got to make a choice, and you're not going to change it. So if you want to stay upset about it, then that's your problem, not them. So I think the first step is to understand that each person does have this very concrete perspective of the world. In my first book, even my second book, I say, look, thoughts are real because they create chemical reactions. They're not imaginary. Your body actually responds to thought in a very concrete way. But if I write a third edition of my book, I am going to have to correct it based on Dr. Bell, Feldman Barrett's work in that thoughts are reality. In other words, they're my version of reality, just like you have your version of reality, different, and they're very concrete. So thoughts are not only real, they're actually your version of reality. And understanding how embedded and concrete those are, I think, is a major issue just literally in world peace, actually, but also personal peace with your family, et cetera. But again, the reason why we're even talking about this is that when you're constantly agitated, it affects your sense of well-being, but also affects your pain. The second thing is, personally, I think the unenforceable rules has been really critical for me because I do get I do get upset about things that make no sense, and I just take that deep breath and say, "Look, I wish this person would act differently," and then I really try to work, try to see the world through their version of reality. What are they thinking? What are they doing? Who are they? So instead of labeling that person with my label, I say, okay, I, this is an unenforceable rules, and i got to make some choices here. And then with repetition, it's become really quite enjoyable and much more effective with just friends, family, and enjoying my life. 
And this has been an ongoing process. I have really tough patterns from childhood. I'm very reactive. I'm very judgmental. And it's taken a lot of work, a lot of repetition to actually drop the whole process down. And I would say really tremendous success, but over a lot of time and repetition to really change that change that concept. Um, the third thing is, and we just talked about this in the prior show about awareness, is that, again, each perspective is valid, especially your children's. And there's a book I mentioned earlier about called Parent Effectiveness Training. And this, my favorite part of the book is he talks about the child's Bill of Rights. And he points out that adults assume they have to impart wisdom because they're older and, quote, wiser. Well, that's not necessarily true. Maybe your parent had, maybe you as a parent had a tough childhood. Maybe your judgment isn't necessarily valid. Your child is coming from a place of newness and wonderment. And lots of times, if you're open to it, you can learn a tremendous amount from your child. So that's where I talk about not giving any advice to your children and just listen. And then my parenting advice has actually changed dramatically to one word, and this word play. I mean, why not? You know, you do your homework with them, make it interesting for both of you to learn it, go out and play baseball, do different things. We have household chores to do, you know, do it as a team, and, and just make the whole concept of the word play because where you're in play, while your whole body chemistry changes, your sense of, self, of self-worth and confidence goes up. And I think that's the parenting is actually just the word play. Then the final strategy I have personally is that a patient of mine sent me a poem a couple of years ago called She Just Let Go. And you just give up. You just say, um, you know, you can't solve this stuff. It's irrational. And there's two parts to it. Like, for instance, I use the metaphor of um, two boxers in a ring who are clutching each other, and then the ref breaks them up. And when you're angry and frustrated, and, again, the unenforceable rules are a big one, there's no solution. And you just simply stop. And I always tell people over and over again with this whole victim mentality that is so powerful, nobody ever wants to give it up, ever. I still don't. It's a very powerful feeling, very powerful role. And so you just have to stop. And so when I get into this unenforceable rules mode, I have to first become aware that I'm in it. Second of all, I just stop. But the final part is this poem called She Just Let Go. As you just look around you, you go, there's an infinite number of things to change and correct and be judgmental about. And you just sort of enjoy the moment, enjoy the day. Because there's no end point to to this word should. And then I put up a metaphor on the website. On the, go ahead. And and part of the reason that I, I just wanted to go back to something you said earlier, part of the reason that the, the victimhood is so powerful in the first place is that it is wired into your brain and it is operating almost below the level of your consciousness. Then, and it sounds right. like you have to bring it into your consciousness to... to uh, to really break the hold it has on you. Well, it's important to understand that anxiety is simply that that sensation generated by the body's stress chemicals. And so you're threatened, either mental threat or physical threat. Your body secretes stress chemicals, and then you feel anxious. Then you take action to solve the problem that's causing the the whole situation in the first place, and then the problem solved, and your stress chemicals go back down. The problem with the unenforceable rules is that there's no endpoint, so that level of stress chemicals stays up, 
then you're trapped. Then when you're trapped, your body secretes more stress chemicals and you become angry. So basically, anger is anxiety with a chemical kick. Then there's a genealogy of anger where you have a circumstance that you blame, then you're a victim, and then you're angry. And so let's just talk about perfectionism, for instance, which is the ultimate unenforceable rules, is that you're never going to be perfect, and you're always going, not good enough, not good enough, should be, should be, whatever. And then you're always agitated. So it does drive you to accomplish things to try to climb that hill, but there's never an end point. And you're just constantly just going and going and going. And most people, by the time they're 40, 50 years old, sometimes a lot sooner, sometimes later, just get worn out. They just they either get worn out or when you're under a sustained chemical response, you get sick. The problem with the victim role, you have all this adrenaline. It's a survival reaction. It's very powerful, and nobody wants to give it up including myself. So you, that's where you just have to make that logical endpoint. Okay, I'm angry, I'm triggered, I'm frustrated. You just got to stop. You don't want to suppress it. You want to just not take action when you're reacting. You just stop. Let it be. Let, let it pass. And But it's a very powerful role. People just don't want to give it up. That's why people hold on to the unenforceable rules, because it keeps them in the victim role. And, and the basic... <laughs> You will with quotes around it. The prescription is once, as Mikey say, first you you stop, and then then you substitute something with like what you call play, right? And then letting then you let go and just be in the moment without the shoulds, right? Of the judgment. And one thing we'll talk about also in the future is called the Ring of Fire. And it's actually training your brain to be okay being anxious, being okay being angry, because if you suppress thoughts, they become stronger. But even worse, if you suppress emotions, especially anger, it's a major problem on your whole nervous system. It's, it's even worse than expressing it as far as um, as far as the effect on your body. But yeah, in summary, the, the unenforceable rules are simply the word should. It should be like this, but it's not. And you can make a choice to stay agitated or not or recognize that you have no control over the situation and just let it go and just go on about your day. If you want to hold on to it, you're actually now giving your quality of life over to that person who's upsetting you or situation is upsetting you. Again, I'll use driving in traffic as a classic one. And again, you can make a choice to stay upset about things you have no control over and you can either enjoy your drive to work or stay agitated. So it's really a choice, and um, it's, uh, it's a powerful choice. It's one you have to make every day. There's no end point to it. But yeah, for me personally, the concept of the unenforceable rules has been incredibly powerful. And this is uh, something that you work with your patients on um, in your practice, getting them to understand these, these rules and, and and how they can like, break the hold of these unenforceable rules on their lives. Right. But I will say one thing on the whole process. I mean, when I say work with my patients, I actually direct them to the book. But the, the success of the DOC project has been that it's about 90% self-directed. So Dr. Luskin's book has been great as far as um, helping people through it. I actually don't do counseling per se. And one of the ultimate aspects of the solution to chronic pain is taking 100% responsibility for your own care. So my book's a concept book, and people figure out their own solutions. And I refer them to Dr. Luskin's book, who gives a nice 
framework about anger. And then there's no magic here. You either make your choices or you don't. You either engage or you don't. We also find out with engagement, people consistently get better with the one block to success is simply being unwilling to engage. So yeah, when I say I work with patients, I guide them to the book, but really it's a remarkably self-directed process. Well, and in the end, that I think for most people that would be the most powerful kind of process, one that they they have control over and that they can take full responsibility for. Yeah, well, it's also sustainable. I mean, it's one of those things where once you start the process, there's no end point. And so you're, you're doing it for yourself, and nobody's doing it to you or for you. And so and you get better with time. I, I, I go people, I tell people there's no beginning or end point to this project. So there's no goal to the project. In other words, you look at the doc project, there's no goal to it. There's no end point. There's also no beginning. So the only goal, if you want to call it a goal, is going to be connecting to the very seconds you're in right now. We all know intellectually this is all we have, but that's it. So it's not... It's basically connected and engaged thinking. So, again, becoming aware of things that are disrupting your peace of mind is a first step. So, again, it's around awareness. And so becoming aware that you're now in an unenforceable rule situation is a huge step. A lot of times just becoming aware solves a problem. You go, okay, whatever, and done. You just move on. And then it's fascinating to me personally. I mean, I spent 50 years of my life with more unenforceable rules than you can ever remotely count. But I had no awareness. I wasn't connected to my anger. I wasn't connected to my frustration. I actually thought I was pretty cool and enlightened. And I was none of the above. <clears throat> and so I, and now I become aware that every day I go into a victim role at least five to seven times a day, maybe more. But I'm aware of it. And I just drop my shoulders, take a breath, and let it go. So it's a learned skill that does get better with time. Um, so, but the, but the whole goal of this project is simply connecting to what is, and you have to become aware of what you're doing first before you can actually reconnect to what is. Well, Dr. Hanscom, I want to thank you very much for uh, being on the show today. And before we leave today's show, I was wondering if you could mention one more time the, the two books that you referenced uh during tonight's episode, the book by uh, Dr. Fred Lustin and the book by David Burns? Yeah, the book is called Forgive for Good by Dr. Fred Luskin. It's out of Stanford, and it's a, it's a quick read. And the Dr. Burns book, Feeling Good, has been a best-selling book for at least 20 years. It's, it's basically cognitive behavioral therapy presented in a self-directed form. And uh, for me personally, <clears throat> it was a book that, that started my journey out of the hole. And so it's, it's also an excellent book. And I always recommend people look at what's called the three-column technique. He talks about ten what he calls cognitive distortions. And just that awareness of those cognitive distortions has is, is made a huge difference. It's an excellent book. Well, that uh, concludes our show tonight. I'd like to thank Dr. Hanson for being with us and sharing his insights on the unenforceable rules. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanstam. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. Hey, hey David. Um, you know, I yeah, I'm here. Um, 
I don't know if this episode recorded or not. You know, I didn't see the countdown clock going while we were on this episode, while we were going. Oh, and I yeah, just no, they did. saw they did. a message. They... Really? Oh, you, you saw it? No, I, I mean, I, we, you said, you know, of course the music started. They told us it started, so I'm assuming it had to yeah. record. I think so. Uh, so, well, anyway, I'll, I'll double-check that. I know the first episode definitely did, but on this one they didn't They didn't send a notice saying in the episode. And so, um, anyway, uh, I hope we don't have to redo it, but I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know oh. what happened there. Because I, I, I called and we did everything the same. Anyway, I still yeah. think the key is right for our, our Zoom thing. Because as soon as we figure that out, I would like to you know, bring in these outside guests and stuff in. So, yeah, ho- hopefully not. Okay. this one seems to go pretty well, too. So hopefully that, that isn't a problem. So, But, yeah, we'll do it. If we have to do it, we'll, we'll, we'll just do it. Okay, well, so. I, I see the, for the first one, the recording is definitely there and available. So it's... It's in the can. I'll know in about five minutes whether the other one okay. recorded or not. But okay. uh, hopefully we won't have to redo. But um, at least this week's episode is definitely there. Okay. So okay. Well, I appreciate it very much. Okay, David. Take care. Right, thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm.